0: So we come to look at God's Word together. If you have a Bible with you, if you could turn please to Colossians chapter 1. And I've been looking forward to preaching from Colossians. We've started a couple of weeks ago. John kicked off the series. uh, And then uh, Kevin uh, looked at the next part last week. This is a great book. It really is a great letter. And I'm quite excited about what the Lord has for us over these weeks as we're looking at it together. So uh, if you've uh, found Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read some verses together, starting at verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. We'll read through to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labour, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, In Christ is let's pray together Lord Jesus we thank you for speaking to us so powerfully and clearly already this morning and we thank you now Lord for your word to us we thank you for this letter that we have um, for us in your word and we pray now Holy Spirit would you come please and be our teacher Help us to understand what we've read. Apply it to our lives personally. Apply it to us as a church family. God, would you come and teach us, equip us by your word. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. 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 Okay, so it's quite a a lot here, actually, in these verses. We don't have that long together, assuming you want to get home in time for tea this evening. So um, we're going to go at some pace and possibly not look at as much detail as perhaps I would like, but I wanted to pick up a few themes in, uh, in these verses together. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to just keep it uh, open in front of you there. So to start with in verse 24, Paul talks about suffering. And he says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. What does he mean here? What's he saying? Let's be really clear. Paul does not need to add anything to Christ's suffering on the cross. To say that would totally contradict the rest of this letter and the rest of Scripture as a whole. Christ's work of redemption, so the forgiveness of our sin, what makes it possible for you and I to have a relationship with the living God, that is, that is finished. That is complete. Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. What did he mean by that? He meant it is done, it is accomplished, it is finished. What he came to do to make that possible, everything was done. Everything that was required, he completed there on the cross. Nothing needs to be added to it. No good works that you or I might do. No good intention. No suffering even. Nothing needs Nothing is needed to make his worth complete, because it is. It is complete. So what's Paul saying here? What he is saying is this. Is that he is suffering for the gospel. And in doing so, he's part of the future suffering of everyone who, like Paul, will suffer for the sake of the gospel. You see, the Bible doesn't offer an easy life for Christians. Sometimes, especially in the West, I guess, and when we gather in a place like this, which is nice and comfortable, and you've got lovely seats and uh, good coffee afterwards, and uh, you think, actually, this is quite nice. It's quite comfortable. I, I was watching a video last night. I was watching a program about the work of the Holy Spirit right across the world. And uh, there was a guy that the uh, filmmaker interviewed and uh, he was involved in uh, helping Christians uh, escape from persecution situations where it wasn't possible uh, in countries that were, were persecuting them. And he was talking about just the thousands and thousands of people that are losing their lives as Christians even today. And only problem is that the, the church in the West, very often we don't realise it, because we're, we're comfortable, we've got it okay. We're not persecuted in that sort of way. But you see, Jesus didn't promise an easy life for Christians. Now the health, wealth and happiness brigade, whilst they sound attractive, they're not biblical. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Do you notice the little word there? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not if, not, you know, you you might do, but when you do, consider it pure joy. So the expectation of the New Testament is that we will face trials and persecutions. Maybe they're different for us than they are for our brothers and sisters in some other nations around the world. But nevertheless they're still real. But do you notice who Paul sees himself suffering for? If you've got the Bible just in front of you, have have a look. You see, Paul elsewhere talks about suffering for Christ. Here, He talks about suffering for the sake of Christ's body, the church. You see, he's already explained in chapter 1, verse 18, that Christ is the head of the church. You see, Paul loves the church. You see that right throughout his letters. Paul loves the people of God. He loves Christ, and he loves Christ's body, the church. I wonder, do you love the church? Have you got that same passion for the church that Paul had? Not just love God. I know you do that. Not just love the gospel, the good news of God's salvation. But do you love the church? Paul said this in Ephesians five twenty-five. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's a challenge there, isn't there, for for all of us, being husbands or otherwise. Christ loved the church, and and Paul loves the church. You see, I think there's a challenge here for us. You see, for all her faults, all her imperfections, because let's be honest, we have faults and imperfections. So for all her faults and imperfections, Christ loves the church. To you. To you in the same way that that he does. So Paul sees himself suffering for the church, for the body of Christ. But he goes on because he knows that he has been called by God. Verse 25 I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. See, Paul knows. He's clear about what his mission is. His mission is to proclaim to the Gentiles Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the good news about that is that we're in. You and I, most of us here this morning, if not all of us, will be classified biblically as Gentiles, i.e. non-Jews. And the good news of the Gospel is we're in. So those who didn't come from the religious establishments, those who didn't have history as the people of God, we're in. Isn't that good? Yeah. Isn't that good? And see, so what's, what's more, do you notice the word that Paul uses to describe us? He uses the word to describe you and me. And it's easy to skip over it. It's easy to miss it. Verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations... But is now disclosed to the saints. Yeah. What does the Bible describe you as? What does the Bible call you? The Bible calls you a saint. Yeah. A saint. Turn to the person next to you and says, "And say, you're a saint. Yeah, you're a saint. You see, too often, listen, friends. Too often, we can describe ourselves. <laughs> Some of you are looking at each other again." You're really not a saint, but I've got to call you a saint. (laughs) I'm not going to say who that was. Okay, so the Bible calls you a saint, but too often we can describe ourselves as sinners. But listen, God looks at you as a saint. Why? Because once you've accepted Christ into your life, once you have decided to respond to his call upon you, he covers your sin. He deals with it. You are made righteous. In that moment, your status changes. God looks at you as a saint. So now, listen, this is really important. Now, you are a saint who perhaps sometimes sins. You are not a sinner trying to be a saint. I'm going to say it again. Now, you are a saint who perhaps sometimes sins. You are not a sinner trying to be a saint. Amen? Amen. It's so important, friends, that we understand it. It's so different. It really is. It's so different. I just need my, um, my phone for a minute. Listen to what it says in Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 13 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Let's consider that for a moment. This is what it means, you see, to be transferred from being a sinner to a saint. Let me let me just unpack it a moment. Use this word transferred. I was thinking this week, how else do we use the word transferred? Well, many of us we might use the word transferred when we're describing money, for example, wouldn't we? And um, if if perhaps like uh, like me, you, uh, you you bank online, and uh, you sort of do your do your banking in that way, then, then you, can, you can do some transferring, can't you? So I could go onto my... Know, maybe you've got this on your phone, I don't know. Uh, I, like, I like this, I think it's clever. Um, I could go onto my mobile phone app and I could, I could log into my bank account right now. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to go... I mean, Sarah and I have got some different accounts and some that I use, some that she uses. And, uh, it's all our money together, but it just helps having some different pots. Uh, no, it's okay, I don't need your account. Um, so what I could do, I could go to, uh, to move money on my on my, on my screen here. Uh, 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 we could have got this on the screen, actually, but um, we won't do that because then you'll see all the details. <laughs> so I could go from one account, I could go here, uh, and I could choose to, to transfer some money to Sarah's account. She's suddenly woken up at this point. <laughs> So I could say, from, from one of our accounts to an account that Sarah uses, I could say, transfer some money. So i put that in. i put in an amount. When would you like this to happen? <laughs> well, let's do it right now, shall we? Let's do it right now. Confirm. Okay? So it says, please check and confirm your transfer is correct from this account to that account. When? Immediate, amount, so and so. Confirm Transfer. Thank you. Your transfer has been made. The funds have been immediately transferred between your accounts. The money has been moved. It has gone from one account to another. And if I look at all of them, there we are, it, it's gone into, into that one. Just like that, I have moved and transferred money from one account into another. And Sarah's looking forward to finding out how much it is a little <laughs> bit later. So I have moved some money from one account to another. It's not in the place that it was anymore. It's in a different place. It's transferred from there to there. And it's gone. It's not in the first account anymore. It's in her account. Who has access to it now? She does. The money has been transferred. It's, It's moved. And friends, it's the same here. God has transferred us from the domain of darkness... He has transferred us from being under Satan's rule to the kingdom of his beloved son being under Christ's rule. We have moved. We have been transferred. We're not in the same place anymore. So you are not a sinner trying hard to be a saint. God looks at you and sees a saint because he sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he sees him that has covered your sin. Amen? Do you believe it? It's so important that we see ourselves... How the Bible sees us. So important we see ourselves how God sees us. So you are a saint. And as Paul goes on, his aim is to, perfect, is to present everyone perfect in Christ, verse 28. And he does this with all his energy, the power of God that works within him. You know, I wonder what would it have been like to be around the Apostle Paul? It would have been fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, clearly, he's a guy that works hard. But listen, here was a guy that was persecuted and knew what it was to suffer for the gospel as well. In some seasons of life, he appears to, to work as a tent maker um, while also teaching publicly and, and in private. So he had some other work going on there as well. He was a busy guy. But he recognises this. He recognises that it's God's power that's at work within him. It's God's power that's working within him. I think we need to hear this, friends. See, it's God's power at work within you. It's his strength. It's his grace. It's his Holy Spirit that gives you everything you need for life and godliness. So I wonder, are you serving him in your strength or in his strength? Are you serving him out of your strength and energy, or are you serving him with the power that he gives you to do it? Paul talks about struggling and toiling. He's working hard, but he knows it's the power of God that's at work within him. And as much as anything else, he's struggling and working hard in prayer. He's praying hard. Now, do you know how it feels sometimes to have a sort of Do the work of praying hard. Our prayer meeting was like that a little bit this week. We prayed hard and toiled in prayer. And we prayed for Alpha. We prayed for our church. We prayed for our families. We prayed for our nation. And we prayed for the nations. And I don't know, for an hour and a half or so, we prayed and sought God and brought these situations to him. I'll tell you, it's one of the best prayer meetings I've been in ages. It's great, wasn't it? It was. It felt like we did some work in prayer. It felt like we, we, we worked in prayer. In our strength, though, in the power of God with us. He helped us by His Spirit to pray. Something the Holy Spirit does, doesn't, he? he helps us to pray. So when I met with Adam on Thursday morning and we were talking about Alpha, which was the night before, he said, Hey, we could feel you pray. Had some great conversations with people. And as you know, God was clearly at work. And then, get ready for this one. Then I heard that on Alpha the night before, which was on Wednesday evening, somebody made a commitment to Christ. Yes. Come on, yes. how good is that? Do you think, listen, do you think that maybe, possibly, these things were connected? Yes. That we prayed yes. and God answered? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. We prayed and we saw God and we said, God, would you, would you come? We prayed for different people that we knew were on Alpha. And uh, the guy's going, yeah, well, we, we really felt you praying last night. Boy, And someone gives their lives to Jesus. Amen. Now, I, I know it's the beginning of a journey for them uh, and they've got some other steps to take, but listen, that's a whole big step forward. Amen. Crossing that line of faith. Amen. Now, they've got some questions still, I'm sure. But listen, God is at work clearly in their life. And it's right we should celebrate yes. what's happened already. So, what's Paul trying to do? What's his goal here? Paul says that his purpose for all that they owe to see and those that he hasn't met personally is to be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of understanding. Let's just look at those things briefly together. Firstly, he says that his purpose is that we, because we're the recipients of this letter as well, might be encouraged in heart. Now, I don't often give lessons in Greek in my sermons. But this morning, I'm going to. And listen up, because this is a good one. Okay? So just so you know, I am not a Greek expert I've uh, studied enough to be able to to read it slowly with a a lexicon and and some help and look up keywords and uh, understand a little bit of what's going on and to be able to read other commentators who know really far more than I do about the language. But having studied the passage this week and praying, I I want to underline something to you. I want to take us back to to the Greek text so that you get to see what Paul is really saying here. So, the Greek word that Paul uses that we we translate as encourage comes from the Greek word parakalio. Okay, parakalio. It means to exalt or to comfort. Now, the word parakalio is made up of two smaller Greek words kalio, which means to call, and para, which means alongside. And it's been made up to use the, uh, to use the word um, the to exhort or to comfort. Now, interestingly, this is why I wanted to explain it. It's where we get the root, the, the word for the Holy Spirit, from the same roots. The Holy Spirit is called the parakletos. It's the same roots of the words. Now, this word to encourage is also the same word that Paul uses in Romans 12, verse 8, when he is talking about the spiritual gift of encouragement. Now, the German theologian and Greek expert, a guy called Kittel, says this. He says that the word implies speaking in God's name and with the Spirit's power. Speaking in God's name with the Spirit's power. That's what Paul's thinking about as he writes, he writes this. I like that. That's what it means to encourage, to speak in God's name and with the Spirit's power. Now, I'm going to talk about encouragement a whole lot more in a few weeks' time. I want to talk, look at the whole area of building a culture of honouring and encouraging one another, crucial part of church life, actually. But Paul is more specific here. He wants us to be encouraged in heart. What does that mean? And how does it happen? Well, when the Bible uses the word heart, it's not necessarily talking about you know, that thing in your chest that, that beats away and pumps blood around your body. Do you like the medical description there? Was that good? It's been approved. It's okay. Okay, it's not talking about that, but rather it's talking about the very centre of a person's being. To be encouraged at the very centre of a person's being. Douglas Moo in his commentary on Colossians says this, he says, Encouraged in heart, or to have hearts encouraged, is therefore a way of referring to an encouragement that touches the deepest part of our being. And and that affects every aspect of our persons. It's something that touches the very deepest part of our being. That's deep encouragement, isn't it? That comes from, Speaking in God's name with the Spirit's power. If somebody encouraged you like that, they'd be doing you good, wouldn't they? They really would. It's not just a general, hey, you're doing well, well done. This is far more than that. This is speaking life into people. And the Spirit's power. That's a prophetic sense of what God is saying and encouraging somebody with that in God's name. He wants us to be encouraged in heart. And this is even though Paul is talking about people he hasn't met. It's interesting, isn't it? So he's got this heart for people even that he hasn't met personally. Paul has a deep love for the churches that he serves, that he cares for. Both those he's met and those he hasn't met. So those of us who have a privilege of serving other churches, and I do some of this, it's a real challenge to us. Have we got that sort of love and care for the churches that we seek to serve? What about you if you're a leader here in Jubilee? Maybe you lead a life group or a particular ministry. Do you have such a love and care for the people in your care? Are you seeking to encourage them in heart like that? I want to challenge you this week. How can you encourage in heart those that you care for. And for all of us, whether you're a leader or not, the same question is there. Who can you encourage this week in that way? Who can you go to and seek to speak the word of God and encouragement to in the Spirit's power? How can you do that? Who can you do that for this week? I think there's a challenge here to us, isn't there? There's not just, oh, that's nice, Paul feels like that. Isn't that lovely? No, no, no. It's going to do us some good here. As we read this, we say, yeah, this applies to us too. How are we going to do that? But he goes on. He wants his readers to be united in love. United in love. He wants to see unity amongst these believers. So the New Testament has a lot to say about unity and loving one another. The Apostle John barely talks about anything else. It's like, it's, you know, got one of those, um, those of you who are a certain age, okay, will remember records. Some of you are looking blank, blank right now. And you know, your record used to get scratched and sort of the needle used to sort of stick on it, didn't it? And, you, and it wouldn't go any further. It's like that sometimes with the Apostle John. You think, man, your, your record's stuck. All you're talking about is loving one another. His record wasn't stuck. It was such an important message that people needed to hear. And guess what? We need to hear it too. Paul wants his readers to be united in love. 1 John 4 verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Verse 11 of 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4 And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, Jesus had quite a lot to say about it as well. John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You think, okay, Jesus, we're getting the point here. Paul talks about it elsewhere as well. Romans 12, verse 10, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I could go on, but I think you get the idea. Make every effort, work hard at keeping unity, loving one another. So let me ask us, how are we doing with this? Are we united? Are we loving one another? Really? One of our core values, isn't it? Right after loving God comes loving one another. So how are we doing? How are you doing with this? How are you seeking to love one another? What are you doing to express it? What am I doing to express it? Paul wants his readers to be united, to be encouraged, in order that they might have the full riches of complete understanding in knowing Christ. And this is that they might not be deceived by fine-sounding arguments, verse 4 of chapter 2. We're nearly done. I'm looking at this for this morning. But let me just make this comment before I finish. We live in a day and age where there are all sorts of proponents of all sorts of so-called truth. Just because our website claims to be Christian doesn't mean that it is. Just because a preacher is on cable television doesn't automatically mean that their doctrine is sound. I think we more than ever we need to be discerning. We really do. Listen, one of the reasons I love it when people bring their Bibles to church, and I've referred to this constantly this morning, I've said, have it open in front of you. Have it look at what we're looking at together. If you don't bring a Bible to church, I want to encourage you to do so whether it's on your phone or on, on a copy like this, it doesn't really matter, providing that you're looking at it and allowing God to speak to you. And the reason it's so important is this. I want you to see that what we look at is what the Bible says. It's not my idea or Ray's idea or, or Kevin's or John's or whoever might happen to be preaching. We do our best to say, what does the Bible say? And what does that mean for us? Not, what do we think? And how can we make the Bible sound like it? So important, friends. It's so important. We're equipped by the words. We're equipped by the written word. And we're equipped by Jesus himself, aren't we? The the words. See, a fancy website or thousands of followers on Twitter is not a test of biblical soundness. Only this book is. Amen. Amen? So be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you read. Test it. Check it out. Make sure it's what the Bible says. And if you're not sure, ask someone you trust. Maybe talk to your life group leader. Talk to me. Talk to another Christian whose life in God you, you respect and say, I, I, I heard this. I'm not sure. What do you think? It might be that you've got some learning to do. Hey, we've all got learning to do. So it might be like, hey, yeah, there's something that God wants to teach us here. And that's good. I love that. It might be like listening, you're watching or listening to or reading something that actually isn't what the Bible says at all. So we need to be careful. And Paul was talking about this even in his day and age. He wanted to make sure that his readers were not deceived by fine-sounding arguments. By fancy websites and lots of followers on Facebook. That's what he's saying, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly what he's saying. So listen, I think it's even more relevant for us than what it was for him. We live in a day and age where we can have teaching from all around the world, and it's wonderful. I have benefited and do benefit from that. You know, I listen to, to teaching and podcasts from other churches and Christian leaders. And I get emails and things like They do me good. But listen, just make sure you test what you're reading or listening to. And make sure it lines up with what the Bible says. Colossians isn't a long letter. I would suggest, if you haven't already, you take some time, perhaps this week, to read through it in one sitting. It won't take you that long you'll get a good idea of the big picture, what Paul is saying throughout it. God wants to make known to you, to all peoples, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is writing this letter to help us understand the truth of the gospel and that you might be encouraged in heart and united in love. This week, be encouraged in heart And united in love. I want to challenge each of us this week. Go out of your way. To encourage in heart. And demonstrate your love for one another. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray as we finish. Thank you Jesus. Mm, thank Thank you Jesus. Thank you Father that we are truly equipped by the word and that this morning as we've opened your word up together you have equipped us, you've challenged us, you've spoken to us and Father I want to pray now that for each of us you would let it settle in our hearts what it is that you're speaking to us about right now today. Lord it will be different things for each of us but you know each of our situations, you know our circumstances. You know, the challenges that are before us, the trials that we may be facing, the circumstances that we're living in. And so I pray now, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you encourage our hearts? As we look to you, we want to be shaped by the Spirit, we want to be open to what you want to do in our lives. And Lord, we want to be equipped by the words. And so, Lord, in these moments, we say, would you apply to our hearts all that we've heard this morning? And those one or two things that are just so poignant for each of us, I pray, let it settle right now. Let it land, Lord. Father, I pray that there will be grace for any suffering that we might be going through this morning. Lord, I pray that there will be confidence that we're saints because what you have done and accomplished. I pray, Lord, there'll be fresh grace to serve you in your strength. I pray there'll be a fresh encouragement in the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for unity and love for one another. And God, I ask for discerning hearts. That we might not be deceived by fine sounding arguments, but may follow you and all that you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'm going to something else.